You may be seated. Welcome to Redeemer. Glad that you come to worship this Thanksgiving weekend, and we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen, church? Amen. As long as we don't look at the news, right? <laughs> as we look around, it seems like all of the, our messages, all of our thoughts and, and, and concerns are things that we are, that are swirling around us, and it's and this amidst, in the midst of political upheaval, we, we are regularly asking the question, what's going on? And as we look at the news, we, after we watch the news, we still say, what's going on? As we look at the, the social upheaval that's across our country, we ask the question, what's going on? And then we see in our own lives, as the pandemic has affected us, the politics have affected us, our lives seem to be out of sorts. We didn't, many of us didn't celebrate like we celebrated Thanksgiving ever before, right? It's a different experience. Some have lost jobs. Some have lost family members. Some are in, even in the hospital now. And we wonder, what is the future hold? What, what is going on? And as we look in this Advent season, I have just a little bit of good news for you. Thank you. Jesus Christ has come, and he's coming again. So we'll start a series now in our Advent season, and we're only going to, this is a little unique for us, but we're going to spend time in just two verses uh, during this Advent season, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. And so we have to have an idea what the background is in the book of Isaiah. This is a time in which the children of Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, <laughs> has just about reached its expiration date. They have continued to disobey God and go their own way. I mean, it's generation after generation after generation after generation. In fact, if you began, you picked up the story Right now, you began the story right now, you might think, well, this is awfully harsh for the people of God, but then you look at the backstory and you realize, oh my goodness, this should have happened a long time ago. The children of Israel did not follow God, did not obey him. Uh, they had kings that they called upon and they would almost always do evil in the sight of God. There's occasion, occasionally some who rose up and did okay, but eventually they fell as well. And so we have generation after generation after generation, even from the time of the wandering in the wilderness, God's people haven't acted like the people of God ought to act. And it is now coming to the end of these nations holding this land of, of Israel in the north and Judah in the south. And the prophets are coming to the kings and saying, it's almost over. It's almost over. What's going on? What's going on? And they're calling them back to God. Keep, come back to God. And, and the people of God are not coming back of God, to God. And the kings aren't leading them in the, in the ways of God. And so there is this, this prediction that is given that soon the children of Israel will be taken over by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And Isaiah is proclaiming this and he's telling them 
that things have gone wrong, and especially with this one king, Ahaz. Ahaz is the king of the, of the south of Judah. And the neighbors, former family members in Israel, and the neighbors, the Syrians, have said, hey, let's come together because Assyria, Assyria is on the doorstep the, in the east. And they are a mighty force and they are a terrible force and they're about to overcome us. Let's gather together. And so the, the prophets, including Isaiah, come to Ahaz and said, you must listen to your neighbors join together. And they said, no, no, no. I would rather be strapped to the Syrians and be their slaves. And so Ahaz doesn't follow the, the words of God, the plans of God. He does his own thing. He sought a treaty with this major power of Assyria. And then for the next decade, they paid tribute and were their, their vassals until finally Israel and Judah, as we knew it, were no more. And so if you want to talk about political turmoil, if you want to talk about having no hope for the future, turn to Isaiah, because it looks like it is all going to fall apart and it is. It falls apart. Soon they will all be in exile. And we hear Isaiah in chapter 7, as he is speaking against Ahaz, there's a whisper. But there's one to come. And then in Isaiah chapter 9, the whisper gets a little more uh, strength to it, and there is someone's coming. God gives his counsel to Isaiah that there is a greater plan in store for his people. There will be a new king like none other. In the midst of political and social turmoil and trouble. There's good news. When the, the people of God are laboring under their own sin, the plan of God is pregnant with hope. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah shares, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Ahaz is, is a way that is an expression that means is actually short for Jehoahaz. Jehoahaz means God holds it, he keeps it. 
Notice at the end here, it says, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and to uphold it. This new king will be unlike Jehoahaz, whose name means God holds it, but he shortens his name to Ahaz because he doesn't have God in the equation. There is going to be one who comes and upholds this new kingdom. It is going to be, he is going to be a new king. Whereas today is born a child, a son is given. And it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Not shoulders, shoulder. We think about that, and I first understood it like the weight of the government would be on his shoulder. He would be carrying the government. And maybe it has some picture like that, but it is actually like this insignia that is on the, 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 the shoulder of the soldier. Ooh, well, that was so hard to say. The insignia that's on the shoulder, that's, that's here, that in many places it shows rank, right? Or it's an insignia that, that shows some kind of logo, you know, some kind of space force or something. That's pretty cool that's come out, right? Space force? Kind of cool, like Star Trek looking thing. And, and so, yeah, it, it, it showed, uh, or maybe a great battle or something that was significant to the leader. But this insignia will have names on it. And the name, the first name we see is Wonderful Counselor. If you want to know about the one who carries that that name, you want to know about the king, you know that he is a wonderful counselor. This wonderful counselor, it has, it's two words, right? It's this, this word wonderful of wonder, miraculous, and a counselor. It, it means both wonderful in his counsel, but miraculous kind of counselor. Like no other. So we just keep preaching. We'll go back and forth. <laughs> when we think of, of counselor in the Old Testament, a counselor is the one who came beside the king. And so the, the, counsel, the king would need several counselors to give him wise, uh, wise counsel. In Proverbs, we have a regular counselor. Uh, we have this, these advisors, these ones who gives us wisdom. We see that all through the book of Proverbs. And so this new king isn't going to need counselors. He is the wonderful counselor. So he doesn't need anybody else's opinion on what ought to be done or how things should go because he is the counselor and he's a wonderful counselor at that. In what ways is he wonderful? What is so awe-inspiring about this counselor? Well, this counselor is unlike any other kind of counselor because this counselor isn't just guessing what might happen. That's how we counsel, right? If A happens, I'm guessing that B is going to happen, so you should think about going this direction. Right? That's how we think about counseling. We are, we are limited in knowing what is going to happen next. And so there are some counselors who are better at uh, understanding the situation, some that are better at understanding what you ought to do. But this counselor, he knows the future. In fact, he is the author of the future. And that future is full of his wonders, how he will take situations that seem hopeless and he will add a miracle to it. When it seems like all is falling apart, he'll send his son for us. He's a wonderful 
counselor. He knows the span and the depth of all matters. He is the author of the story. His wonders that he wrought are both was and is, and the wonders are yet to come. He's a wonderful counselor. And we oftentimes quote, maybe misquote, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14, where, he, where Jeremiah, near this time of Isaiah, writes, God is speaking, he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. What kinds of plans? Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a then you will call upon me and you will come to pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place which I sent you into exile. It's this promise that they are coming back, that he is going to provide a hope for them. He is going to provide a way. For who? For the people of God. The people of God who are faithful to him. I tell you, one of the things I think that's most disconcerting for people is maybe a misunderstanding of who God is talking to here. We oftentimes think that he maybe is talking to just me as an individual or that he's talking to... Uh, people like this in this room, uh, like American citizens. That he is saying, if we'll just turn to him, that God, God has great plans for our country and that God is going to restore our country and provide a hope for our country. I want to tell you, the hope is not for our country. It is, the hope is for the church. You know, Jesus is coming back for his bride, and his bride is not going to be the stars and stripes. It's going to be the church. And the church should respond to him, and we should be living out this good news and affect our whole country, yes, and, and the nations around us. But he's coming back for his bride, and we are his bride. So do you want to know what your, your future is? It's good. Because the one who is the author has said, my plans are good for you. And sometimes we don't experience those plans. And we want to hold on to Jeremiah 29 and say, like, I don't understand why my life is not good because I love you. But wait, wait, wait. It's a bigger story. Hold on. There's more to this story than what's happened to you in this moment. It's the church and it's how he is going to restore the church and how he's going to bring his people be his bride forever and ever. Amen. God is going to accomplish his plan. God is going to accomplish his plan. And here's even a bit, even more good news. He's going to accomplish his plan whether you and I do right or not. As we look back at this last week and in our life, we go, oh, I've just I've just failed, I failed, I failed. I had that same week. I, had the, I failed here, I failed here. Listen to Psalm 77, uh, sorry, sorry, Isaiah 29, 13 through 14. He said, and the Lord said, because this people 
draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is just a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people, with wonder upon wonder, and the wisdom of the wise men shall perish, and the discernment of the discerning men shall be hidden. He is going to accomplish, even when we fail, when our leaders fail, he is going to accomplish this with wonder after wonder. Expect the amazing. He's been doing this forever. Psalm 77, verses 11 through 15 says this, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I, wonder, I, ponder, I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Expect God to do wonders here. Expect God to do wonders here. I've even, I've even heard some brothers who do evangelism where they'll talk to a lost person and they will say, with this idea of wonderful counselor, they'll say, what, what kind of miracle do you need? They're like, what? Like, what kind of miracle do you need in your life? Yeah, my family is in ruin. I've lost this or whatever, whatever it might be. Let's pray. Let's pray. Because our God is a wonder-working God. And so we know him as that. Like, he comes to the rescue all the time. He has a plan. His plans are good. He will accomplish those plans. He has done it in the past. He's doing it now. He will do it in the future. Do you trust him? Even when we fail, he is still good. Wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. The counselor who knows all the plans and is accomplishing them. But the good news just doesn't stop there because it says, the scriptures say, a child is going to be born. Jesus is this wonderful counselor. He is one who knows all the plans, but he also took on the flesh. This is part of God's good plan to us. That he isn't a, 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 a clockmaker who just set the, the world into motion and just watched it tick, tick, tick. But he has stepped into his creation and he is active in his creation so that he would even experience the things that you and I have to go through. And so he might have empathy for you and me. He is, he is a high priest like no other high priest. He's not a high priest who lives in some kind of mansion far off. He came down as a baby in a, in a, a manger with, with stinky animals and stinkier shepherds. That's, that's where he came. So that he might know the struggle that you and I face. Not just as the creator, but as that one who came down and took on flesh. You see, our counselor just doesn't stand aloof, but he has entered into the creation so that he could know the intimate, intimate details of humanity. And so he can speak to your hurt. He can speak to your loss. 
He can speak to your confusion, your loneliness. He's experienced those. And so he is a great comforter. So when you have trouble and trials, you have a God who understands and he cares. He is he's a wonderful counselor who knows the story, who carries out the story with good plans. He is the, the counselor who knows you and cares for you. He is also a wonderful counselor who lives within us. John chapter 14, as Jesus, Jesus is about to depart, he leaves these words of encouragement to his disciples. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, let your hearts not be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We need to hear that word today, don't we? Can you just breathe that in for a second? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away. And I'm sure that probably brought great trouble to you guys. That's a little, I added that. And I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Not only do we have a God who knows all the plans, orchestrates the plan, wonder working, not only do we have a God who knows us intimately, knows what it is, our suffering and our trials and how they affect us, but he now lives within us as a helper, as a comfort. Last week, I hope, uh, if you haven't heard the message that Josiah Katuma gave last week, I'd like you to uh, check that out because he, he spoke last week about appropriating the blessings of God. It wasn't a, a sermon on health and wealth and those kind of things. It is understanding the blessings that God has and how we are to, under, how we are to receive those blessings. And so in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 8, it's a perfect explanation of appropriating the blessings of God when our hearts are in turmoil, when we, are, uh, uh, when, when we seem distressed, when we are at loss, when we mourn. Listen to what he says in James chapter 1, verse 2. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And this is what you want to hear. If any of you lacks wisdom, lacks counsel, let him ask God. Is anyone in need of good counsel these days? Let me give you a... Ask God. Let him ask God who gives generously 
to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. That means when you ask, ask expecting an answer. Expect help. Expect him to be generous. When we go to him, we don't ask him and think, oh, he's kind of begrudgingly giving it to us. No, he wants to give these things to us. He's waiting for us to come and ask. How do we appropriate the blessings of God? We ask. We ask. Lord, I, I am short in wisdom. My heart is upset. I feel lost. I feel lonely. I feel sad. I don't know where, where you're going with this. Please give me wisdom. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For, those, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. So if you don't ask with faith, it's like you're in turmoil. You're staying in turmoil. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double, a double-minded man and stable in all of his ways. People of God, let us ask God, the wonderful counselor, help me see. Give me wisdom. I love, uh, I love what Justin preached two weeks ago when he said that peace is a gift of God. It's not something you conjure up. It's not something you figure out. It's a gift. And so we ask for peace. We ask for wisdom. And God is so good, he gives it to us. We, we talked some time ago about our prayer lives, and oftentimes in our prayer lives, we have a concern folder in which we have everything. And oftentimes our, our needs don't leave the concern folder and go into the prayer folder. We just have these concerns. You know what I mean? And we need to transfer those concerns into the prayer folder where we ask for these things. Lord, please give me peace. We often think because God knows this, he's automatically going to give it to us. No, no. He wants us to approach him in faith and ask. And he will give us wisdom. He will give us peace. Is that good news to you today? It's, it's all afforded to us because this new child came and he wears the badge. He, he wears the insignia that says, wonderful counselor. Will you call upon him? Will you seek him? Will you ask? The truth is, the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9, 6 and 7 is only partially done. You see, the kingdom of God in its fullness will be established and that reign will be complete in the days to come. And so in the meantime, he is, he's made a way for salvation. He has given us the Holy Spirit. He continues to give us gifts. But the even greater news is he's coming again. And there won't be trials and there won't be troubles. But until then, look to the child, the light that's come into the world. Wonderful counselor. Lord, we, uh, we submit our lives to you today.
And we see that you have a much bigger plan for us. Lord, we don't always know what it is. And I think many things we still won't know until we meet you. But we ask for peace. We ask for your wisdom. Lord, help us as we have hearts that just want to go the other way. Lord, I count myself in that number. So Lord, I ask that you would um, be with us, that we would repent and turn to you and know the fullness of this good news of this gospel and apply it to our lives. We thank you that you have come and we can't wait to see you again. We pray these things in the name of our Lord. Amen.